Hi, I'm Paul Swinkle and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we spread the love as we take a look at how we need to evolve to embrace our new distributed workforce. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tech Interviews. Um, on this week's show, we're picking up on a topic that we touched on kind of right at the start of um, uh, some of the shows we rev- reviewed, uh, looking at the what next scenarios for, for many enterprises that, that, that began at the, the kind of the start of the uh, of the COVID response for many organisations. And it was something that came up when I spoke to Tony Main in episode 131 about the changing way that enterprises are having to look at the way they manage and supply their users. You know, as we move from the idea of a thousand users in a head office to a thousand head offices with a single user in them. Um, and so this week's show, um, my, my guest is somebody who um, approached me with a topic uh, and that topic dovetailed really nicely into that conversation about how they're developing solutions and, and working with their customers to to change the way that those those businesses and enterprises can look after and manage and, and integrate their remote workforce in with their their day-to-day business activities so it's a real hot topic for a lot of the conversations I have in, in podcast world as as well as in my real job and um, so I thought it'd be an interesting uh, interesting episode for this week's show so um before so, so let's jump into that and introduce my guest uh, so joining me this week is Doug Miller hi Doug how are you doing Hi, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for joining the show, Doug, and uh, great to have you on Tech Interviews this week. And so, so before we uh, before we dive into the topic, um, you know, which I, which I think is an important one uh, and one that's a real challenge for a lot of the organisations we're dealing with today. Um, before we do that, as I normally do on the show, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what it is you do. Sure, I'm the uh, CEO CTO of the Brightworks Group. We are a uh, Cloud transformation, digital uh, transition, and IT modernization company uh, based in the the Midwest of the United States. We're located uh, just on the north side of Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, and and work primarily with companies in the Midwest, uh, though our footprint is is actually international. Uh, We we do work uh, all over the United States. Uh, with some customers in in Central and South America. Uh, We've had some EU customers and uh, Asian customers in the past. We we, we don't right now, but we we certainly have worked with some in the past. Um, But our our primary focus is on Midwestern companies. So um, so one thing I would like to uh, add uh, before we jump into the show is that you're the first person that's had a sword in the background uh, as, a, as a tech interview's <laughs> guest. Um, so people are bound to ask, do you, do you want to give us a brief on, on why the sword's there? Yeah, so uh, that that's actually my, my big hobby is is history, uh, and particularly the, the, the military history of uh, the late Renaissance to just before the 20th uh, century. Um, so I'm, and, and I'm pretty serious about it. I've got a close to an academic quality library. And uh, I actually do some uh, uh, simulation design for uh, board games and computer games uh, around the topic. So uh, if, if we were actually sitting down in my game room, there'd be all kinds of other props and, and pictures. And uh, I've even got a, a, a big Prussian flag in the corner so I can use it to tweak my buddy who's a napoleonist and very very interested in the french so so yeah so there's a sword back there that i bought a few years ago and my son made a plaque to hang it on the wall 
So, um, so part of the reason I wanted to mention that is obviously for, for those listening, Tech Interviews is now available on YouTube. Um, and so Doug is the first guest that's given me a reason to tout. Go and watch the video version of the show, um, as well as you can see Doug, uh, as opposed to just listen to his, uh, listen to his voice. So, um, so Doug, thanks for bringing a prop. Uh, that's much appreciated. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, well, let, let's, um, as much as we'd love to talk about um, military history, um, you know, I think we've, we've also got our, kind of our, our own wars that we're fighting at the moment in in the world uh, in the world of how on earth do we support users who like i said in the introduction have gone from a thousand users in a you know the kind of the walled secure surroundings of our head head offices and our data centers to suddenly being distributed um you know it's interesting when you're talking about kind of where your your customer base is and, and has been is that they're distributed absolutely all over the place you know and not right. necessarily just in country maybe across continents across the world and that's introduced a whole bunch of new challenges to people. So, you know, so from your experience, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing your customers and enterprises in general yeah. have been faced with? It, 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 it was very interesting, particularly back in March and April. Um, and, and this is still uh, a challenge for many companies today. But, you know, a lot of, of enterprises, small and mid-sized enterprises in particular, while they may have had disaster recovery plans and while they may have had some capability to support remote users, nobody ever thought about the scenario where everyone was remote, you know, and it, it's one thing to say, Hey, go home, use the VPN to log in and work remotely. But when a thousand people from your company are all trying to hit that that same VPN concentrator, it, you, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the licenses, you don't have everybody set up to do VPN, nor did people really think about things like, um, it, you know, that, uh, that 30 meg down five meg up asynchronous cable modem connection in somebody's home was sufficient for the occasional login. But when the, the significant other is home and the kids are home from school and they're streaming Netflix or trying to do their digital, suddenly there's no bandwidth at home either, right? So the, the, the number one, probably the first problem that we saw was that, that they just weren't ready for the networking piece of it. Um, then you stack on top of that, that those networks aren't secure. You're used to people being within, you know, a, a set of protections uh, around the corporate network. And suddenly they're at home, they're on cable modems. They may be using their home PCs that don't have all of the, the endpoint protection software in place. Um, or they went home, they took a corporate device home, and they're sharing it with the significant other and kids, and who knows what sites they're going to, right? So that, that becomes a problem. But as we've gotten further and further into this thing, one of the increasing problems seems to be, how do we support those users? Um, and, and how do we provision new users? Um, it's becoming a thing, I think, in a lot of, of enterprises that have started to kind of embrace 
the idea that, hey, maybe we won't bring everybody back. Maybe this is the new normal. And maybe we can start hiring people from places geographically distant from our, our headquarters, which is great. But then how do you get them a device? How do you get them set up correctly? How do you make sure that everything's working when you're doing all of this remotely? Um, because they haven't necessarily planned for it or, or thought it through. Um, all of that starts to become a real challenge in terms of how do you keep that infrastructure safe, secure, reliable, and running in an environment that, that doesn't allow the same sort of uh, centralized control that maybe they had before. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's a whole bunch of really good points to, to kind of pick through there, you know, and, and they're all things that I've seen in kind of the, you know, part of the challenge that I see in, in my day job for, for lots of those organizations, you know, and I think that that idea that a lot of enterprise IT has never been designed with consumer IT, consumer IT type use, um, you know, so the idea that we set up our laptops to join the, the corporate Wi-Fi that's right. a very different experience to the consumer Wi-Fi at home from your cable provider or, you know, your, your kind of whoever your broadband provider is, you know, and, and we see all kinds of challenges in that space. You know, and I, th I thought you made some really good points uh, initially as well around that idea of nobody really thought about. So while they had the idea of being able to work from home, they didn't think of the idea of everybody working from home. You know, that idea that one day we're all in the office the next day none of us are in the office and we're all trying to hit all of our services all of the time um you know right. I, I think you know we're genuine challenges and something that we saw very early on was the big challenge perhaps for the first four or five weeks was scaling you know vpn support scaling the ability to get devices into the hands of people like i said you know if people right. If, if people in the office, because, you know, probably like you know, me and you and men, maybe many of the listeners, we're probably used to using laptops and have done for a long time. But for a lot of people who are, you know, generally office bound, they probably have a PC. It's not as easy right. to pick the PC up and take it home because where do you put it and, and, and all of those kind of things. Or, or even, you know, we, we deal a lot in the architecture, engineering, construction management space. And it, we're dealing with people that are doing pretty high end 3D CAD work. So, you know, they're using desktop machines with AutoCAD certified graphics cards. There's not a lot of laptop options that cover some of that, right? And they're, and, and they're used to large monitors, large displays. Often they want to print to big plotting devices. None of that equipment is designed for home use, right? I, I mean, who's going to wheel a a six foot wide plotter home to put in their spare bedroom. Yeah. N nobody wants to stay living with their significant other, um, as you mentioned earlier on. Um, right. So, so I, I mean, interestingly with that, so, you know, you, you've given some of the experiences there, but I, I mean, from, from your experience looking at how organizations traditionally would de deliver this kind of support to their users and, and how they would deploy enterprise technology. You know, what, what are some of the things that, that you've seen have really started to fail over the last few months? You know, as, as this, we've had this big shift uh, in the way that we're working, you know, this idea that we, we now have these very distributed workforces. You know, so, so what, what have you seen as the major problems that, that companies have had to deal with um, and, and perhaps really, are still struggling to deal with? Yeah, there's really been a couple. And, um, 
you know, interestingly, they're not they're not on sort of the the infrastructure side, though there certainly have been tons of you know problems. We we talked about VPNs and and network bandwidth and all those kinds of things. But what those feed are are actual business problems. And and probably the biggest class of those that I've seen are a whole set of situations where companies had effectively manual processes of some kind. Uh, it, it, it may have been, right, that something came out of purchasing and was then hand-carried to somebody else, or it, it, it came out and then it had to be emailed or printed out uh, or converted from a, a form to a PDF. Uh, or the final step in a process was to create a paper file and store it someplace. Uh, and, and now we need to reference that material and it's unavailable because that's all in file cabinets in the, the head office and no one is. Um, so the, those kind of breakdowns where organizations didn't digitally transform a process in advance of this and then there's some key important step that nobody thought about and it, it completely threw sand in the gears because they suddenly couldn't process payroll or they you know, were, were getting orders from one side and couldn't fulfill orders on the other because there was that step where, where you know, Anne literally got up and walked across the office and handed a purchase order to somebody. And now Anne's not in the office and the other person's not in the office. And, and those are the real problems that we saw that have, that, that we've been seeing that have really started to create breakdowns in businesses. Um, they didn't, even if you solved all of the, hey, everybody can log in remotely and everybody's got a device, the processes are still broken. That then kind of also has transferred into, I had a really interesting discussion with a company, oh, maybe a month, six weeks ago, where they were talking about, you know, hey, um, everybody's working at home and we think we're going to stay working at home. And uh, we're going to be able to, uh, you know, reduce our real estate footprint. So we're all, you know, CFOs are really happy about that. They're going to save money. Said okay, well that's pretty cool. What do you you know? How are you having people work at home? They said, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start requiring people uh, to have you know sort of a minimum bandwidth. And I said okay. And uh, are are you gonna reimburse people for that? And this person got this very perplexed look on their face and went, well, no. Why would we do that? Working at home's a privilege. No, working at home was a privilege 18 months ago. Now, where you don't have desks and you're not giving them a network connection and you're not giving them a phone and you've basically outsourced your space needs to their spare bedroom, it's not a privilege. So the other big breakdown has been in policy and how we treat workforce, how we treat our people in this new environment, thinking hasn't caught up with 
the reality yet. And that well, that's a really interesting point, you know, and and it's fascinating that the two of the you know the, the kind of big examples you've seen have been much more around policy and working practice actually rather than technology you know and i'm sure those two things kind of feed each other you know and say I love, the, I love the idea of the six foot wide plotter being wheeled in to the living room <laughs> you're trying to explain why you need it in the living room um while everybody else is trying to maneuver around it um but but they are you know and i think they but they do feed into that whole point about the changes that that many enterprises have have gone through and have had to have gone through nobody had really ever planned for you know we all had dr plans and continuity plans but how many of them really looked at the fact that not only would we all not be returning to an office for the short term but actually it may become the long term and the long term transition and you and you talked before as well about the idea for those businesses that had not already started to take a lot of their um you know a lot of their processes digital so we saw, for example, you know, for our customers who'd already made, um, you know, for the people I deal with who, who'd already made significant investments in moving many of their processes and systems into public cloud um, or, or, or hosting somewhere else, that was a huge benefit to them because actually that move from all turning up into the office on a Monday and then all working, you know, from, from home or some, some other location on a Tuesday was a much easier shift than for those companies you know for some companies that's always going to be difficult you know they're manufacturing their people handling big machines you know but actually for the companies right. where that could be an easy shift then that was a much easier shift if all of your stuff was not sat in your data center and you have to worry about right. VPNs and etc so so for our, our you know for, for the company i i work at as, as a, in the day job you know we were able to do that our main back office systems were already in the public cloud our telephony system was in the public cloud the ability right. to give our our users the access to all of those systems from home either with a corporate device or their own device was relatively straightforward and it allowed us to change our working practices smoothly and relatively quickly it actually took us by surprise how, how easy it was so 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 while a lot of the problems that you've seen then have been those kind of logistical problems and working practice problems how have you seen organizations then um either use technology or not to start to address some of those problems you know what what you know if somebody's listening to this and saying yeah i i I have felt and still feel a lot of that pain. You know, what, what are some of the kind of things that they could be doing to start to overcome some of those challenges? Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, there's two places to look. One is on the technology side itself. And then one is, is on the, the leadership and policy side, right? Thinking about these things. On the technology side, we, we've been pretty fortunate. My background is, is one that, uh, so I, I came out of both manufacturing IT and healthcare IT, um, designing data centers for uh, and running data centers for level one trauma centers and regional burn centers, where we had to have the reliability, we had to have the uptime. We you you, you can't be done down if you're a level one trauma center, right? They they send the ambulances someplace else. Um, so I, I have a, a perception of reliability that's tied to that. At the same time, uh, in those kind of circumstances, you know, we had EMS crews, we had people in ambulances that needed technology. Uh, we had we had clinics around the city, so there was a lot of distributed stuff, and that got me very very 
involved very early on in technologies like virtualization that it eventually led to a lot of involvement in VDI. Um, and it's been interesting. I haven't seen a lot of enterprises that have been able to successfully implement VDI on their own. It's a, a complex, many-layered kind of thing to do. And unless you've got people that really understand it, it, it can be a real challenge to run. But it's also really key to solving the kind of problems that we're talking about here. Enterprises need to be able to centrally manage and centrally support things, particularly endpoints. And when you start distributing endpoints all over the place into environments where you have no control, you, you encounter a couple of problems. One, they're really difficult to support, right? You've got complex devices in non-technical people's hands that you don't necessarily have a good way to, to, to manage and lay hands on. Then the other problem that you have is that you're, you're trying to ship data around. And that's the real problem. That's the thing you really want to avoid is having all of your data suddenly spread out to thousands of endpoints all over the place that you don't know where they are or who's using them or who's touching them or how are you going to recover that data if somebody leaves the organization. That, that's a major challenge. And I believe the solution to that is never send that data out. And that's where technologies like VDI, um, a lot of the new uh, endpoint cloud solutions that we're seeing from Microsoft, um, whether it's public cloud or private cloud, keeping that data, keeping the actual endpoint and compute in centralized data centers, and then providing endpoint devices that effectively, whether they're repurposed laptops and desktops or just logging in from somebody's own device, a, a basically a thin client kind of experience gives you back a lot of that control and a lot of that management capability. Some of that can be done through SaaS apps. I'm sure you guys are doing a lot of that. We, we do a lot of that. Um, but if you're trying to deliver that true, you know, operating system desktop experience, you, you got to look at some of those kind of technologies, I think. Yeah, no, I was just, just to add in there, Doug, actually, and there's some kind of explaining that that caught my attention. It, it, it's a really interesting example, that idea of, you know, if, if you take the kind of the standard Windows desktop, maybe somebody who's using Office 365, you know, they've got access to SharePoint and they have the OneDrive synchronization engine on their machine, which allows them to an extent to do the kind of thing. So although it's not centralized desktops, it does centralize the data, but still gives the user, you know, this, this is a really basic example, but still gives the user that, uh, you know, via, via synchronization and a level of caching, gives exactly. the user that local machine experience. But like I said, the technology exists. But I know I've certainly seen, I'm sure you have, where it's the, the, the leadership of the business does not necessarily want to embrace that technology because they're still saying, I've got file servers and I want to work in this way and I don't want to roll out this technology because 
they've still got a view of, you know, you gave the example before, they've still got a view of somebody in the office who hands a piece of paper to somebody and puts it in a right. filing cabinet. And maybe to a degree they're thinking that's going to come back eventually. You know, are, are, you, still oh, yeah. seeing, are you still seeing a, a, a reticence for organisations to grab that technology and appreciate that the changes that we've been through over the last six, seven months, not not in all cases, you know, it would be wrong for me to say in all cases that are going to be permanent changes. But I think for a lot of people, if, if they're not embracing that technology shift now, they're really missing an opportunity. They are. And, and that's the great way to phrase it, right? I think that the sort of silver lining of all of this from a technologist's perspective, and frankly, from a business efficiency perspective, is that it's given us some energy, some fuel to move these remote working technologies ahead much more quickly than they have in the last several years. Uh, I've told several people, you know, that in, in six months, we jumped about five years in terms of technology adoption. Um, we're definitely seeing a lot of customers who have looked at this and said, we got to do something about this. We've got to adopt these technologies um, because even if we're going to come back to the office largely, we don't know when something like this will happen again. And this was so painful. We don't want to have it happen again, right? I mean, you mentioned earlier the, the difficulties of VPNs and, and all that stuff. Well, you know, supply chains were empty. You couldn't get. And, and I was even baffled that, um, you know, big players like uh, uh, Ingram had trouble providing VPN licensing. I mean, it's completely virtual, right? It's not, there's no physical component. Heck yeah, it's just and, a number. And, uh, you know, just give me right, a number. Yeah. A number. And, and they still couldn't fulfill the orders. Um, I, I can remember in March trying to call Ingram and, and you know, some of our folks literally sitting on the phone for two hours with Ingram trying to get VPN licenses. I just, uh, and I just, like to, just like to point out that other distributors failed equally. Uh, so just so Ingram don't yes. think we're picking on them. Um, but actually, Doug, I, I think what, what's really important in that as well, you know, and that's a really good example because, you know, from a, from a business point of view, you know, and you've talked a lot about kind of business impact with this, that a lot of the problems that we've seen around that, that distributed workforce are not necessarily technology ones. You know, in a in a world today where a lot of the changes that we make, you know, and a lot of the user experience and uh, you know user demand is, if you're not giving me the thing I want, it's very easy for me to go and find somebody else who will. I think while mm -hmm. there was leeway early on during kind of a, a lot of the COVID response, regardless of where you are in the world, we've all had some kind of response. While I think there was a lot of leeway and patience initially. As you said in that, that example, if we find ourselves in a situation, it may not be another wave of COVID, but it might be something else in two or three years time that there will be a lot less patience for organizations to, to kind of go through that growing pain again. You know, and so I think if, somebody, if somebody's listening to this from a business point of view and thinking, well, you know, maybe we're nearly at the end of this and we've kind of dealt with it and we don't need to do any more kind of change or transformation. You know, I think that's a, that's a useful warning for people to have that people will be an awful lot less patience, uh, patient in the future. 
Um, well, Doug, look, this is, um, I, I, time has really flown here in this conversation because I, th- I think it's a conversation we, we clearly both find fascinating and, and hopefully listeners and, and viewers uh, will, will do so also. Um, I, I did want to give an opportunity, though, for you to just kind of, before we before we wrap up, to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing in this space. So, you know, so for people yeah. who maybe have not come across Brightworks before and, and the kind of work that you do, um, what, what are the kind of things that you've been doing to help your customers overcome some of these kind of remote management, remote support challenges? Right, right. So, so we started from this. It was, I mean, this has been kind of a perfect storm for us. Our philosophy has always been to help our customers kind of get out of, of owning a lot of on-prem infrastructure and helping them set up so they can help, so, so they can have their workforce work safely from anywhere. Uh, so we have solutions. Our, our primary solution is known as Complete Cloud. Uh, and it is designed, it is a 100% private cloud uh, solution that uh, provides all servers, all desktops, a, a complete IT infrastructure in a private data center, private cloud environment um, for a, a single fixed price per user per month. Um, when we migrate folks to this, uh, we we had, for example, right before COVID, migrated a, about a hundred person civil engineering firm, and COVID hit, and they, in in twenty four hours, just picked up and went home. Right? I mean, there was no interruption at all because everything they were doing was already in a centralized environment that they could access from ev- anywhere. Uh, so our, our practice and our focus has been very heavily around trying to help people set up those environments through all kinds of different cloud-based solutions, whether it's our private cloud solution um, or whether it's more point solutions. Uh, we, we work with a company called Exigence um, out of uh, Israel, actually that provides a cloud-based major incident management system for enterprises. Uh, So you have an outage uh, right now, you know, how do you bring your remote team together to deal with that? Uh, Exigence actually provides that online war room, timeline, tracking, conferencing, ties to your monitoring system. It, It gives you a single place for all of that. So, I spent a lot of time evaluating tools and partners and vendors that can bring those kind of solutions to our customers um, and allow them to just, it doesn't matter whether you're in the, the office or not, you've now got the capability. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that kind of flexibility is hugely important, isn't it? And, you know, and it's, it's a conversation we have uh, an awful lot of time and, and one we've increasingly seen over the last six, seven months is is that idea of, hand off some of these big challenges that you see as organizations to specialists people who can deliver them for you so you know i mean maybe even some of the weirdest things you know we've we've seen lots of conversations around licensing you know if you think right at the start of covid that microsoft you know and, and generously from a microsoft point of view allowed people if you want to use microsoft teams or office 365 here's an e1 license you can run for six months However, when we got to the end of, of as we start to actually now you know it's now's the time we're getting to the end of that six month period for for many they're now looking at that and saying, well, what do I do? I've, I've become ingrained. Right. And actually, I've got no idea how the Microsoft licensing model works, whether that's the right route for me. How do I deal with that? So there's, there's an opportunity there to, you know, if, if you've got some experience of that, 
you know, and, and, and the way you've described kind of how, how your organization works, now it's, it's very much out. Let, let, we've got all of this experience of delivering this stuff for you. Right. You get on with operating your business, doing the thing that you exist to do. Let us just deliver IT solutions, regardless of how distributed your workforce is, regardless of whatever mm-hmm. changes we've got to evolve and, and deal with. We can scale that. We can deliver that quickly. You know, I think it's a is a powerful case, you know. So, well, look, Doug, Doug, Doug as, we, as we wrap up here, I, I often like to ask people, you know, if somebody's listening to this show and are still looking at the way they look after their users remotely, how they manage, how they provision, how they support going forward, you know, if, if they were to look at their business today, you know, it's a, is there a couple of tips that you could give them briefly just to say, these would be a couple of things that I would, I would start off looking at? Yeah, I, I think at the the base, right? We've got a, you've got to recognize that there's been a change. That's the first thing, right? Trying to say, how do I maintain the current way we're doing things in the face of all this? Don't do that. Understand there's a change, (laughs) embrace it, and then start looking at you, you don't, and this is a challenge I think a lot of, of IT departments have. They're so worried about proving their value that they're unwilling to ask for help. So, yeah, there are. There are a lot of specialists out there who really can help you. Um, begin to look at your IT as a utility. It should be the same as as walking in and flipping a light switch. It's just got to be there. So how do you provide that? What parts of this are strategic for you to provide? And what parts of it, and I think your point about licensing is great, right? There are people out there who are, their whole business is about managing licensing. Stop trying to do it in-house. Grab those folks work with them so that you can be focused on what really matters to your business. Not whether you need 6E3 and 48E1, that's a waste of your time. Don't be worried that you're gonna lose your job because you're not taking care of all that little stuff, deliver real value. Um, look at things like you mentioned earlier before the call we were talking, things like Windows Autopilot. That kind of automation um, is going to be key for your ability to support remote users. So the more you can automate and automate securely, um, learn PowerShell, adopt those new Microsoft technologies that are oriented around this stuff. Um, That's that's the real strategic stuff that's going to pay dividends to you. Um, but mostly, always be looking. And whether this is during COVID or not, what are you doing that's proactive as opposed to reactive? I think if um, my favorite takeaway from all of what, you, what you've said today is being, if, if you're looking at, how do I keep doing all the things that I used to do and keep doing that? Don't do that. Um, that I think that's a Don't great do that. tip. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. tip. Uh, well, look, Doug, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of out of time now, but um, yeah. if people want to find out more about you, um, about what Brightworks do, um, or, you know, just to kind of come and stalk you online, uh, is there ways they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, please visit our website at brightworksgroup.net. 
we've got a lot of content there, a lot of blog posts, white papers. We share a lot of information about these kind of topics. Uh, also, LinkedIn is probably the, the best social media place to find us. Um, we've got a, a company page, Brightworks Group, and uh, my personal LinkedIn account. Feel free to reach out. And again, we share a great deal of content and information there uh, every single day. So looking forward to meeting some of your listeners online. That's great, Doug. Um, look, I really appreciate that. I think that's been a fascinating chat um, and your experience and, and some of the things you've, you know, you've seen and shared. I, I think people will find hugely valuable. So, um, Doug, thanks for being on Tech Interviews. And, uh, hey, I look forward to having you on, uh, back on again sometime in the near future. Great. Thank you, Paul. Would really look forward to it and, and love, to, love to do that again. Uh, so, so now you can uh, you can now get back to uh, using your sword for uh, for useful, <laughs> useful things. So, um, hey, Doug, right. thanks for being on Tech Interviews, and uh, speak to you soon. Great, thanks, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show, I'd like to appear as a guest, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. To catch the next episode of Tech Interviews, and why not subscribe? You can subscribe in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. And of course, you can find the show now on YouTube as well. So until next time, thanks for listening.